This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, July 31st, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Shortly after declaring tariffs to be the greatest, the president sat down with European Union leaders to begin the conversation to move toward lowering tariffs between the EU and the U.S. Does it mean anything? Cato policy analyst Simon Lester says it's a step in the right direction, but lacks the substantive reduction in trade barriers we might hope for. Donald Trump has taken a lot of criticism correctly uh, from our trade department and others for his apparent uh, support of tariffs. He says they're the greatest and uh, has imposed, because of uh, congressional abdication, a whole lot of tariffs on goods coming uh, into the United States from China and Europe, Uh, meeting with uh, Mr. Juncker of the European Union. There appears to be some movement on, uh, at least with the U.S. relationship with Europe, uh, some of that possibly changing. Uh, After having read what these two gentlemen uh, agreed upon, what do you say? I say that yesterday was a good day uh, after many months of bad days in, in U.S. trade policy. Uh, as you said, you know most of what we've seen this year is tariffs and threats of tariffs and, and harsh rhetoric. But then all of a sudden yesterday, President Trump and President Juncker of the European uh, Commission got out there and we're all friendly. And we're talking about working together on trade, working together towards zero tariffs, zero barriers, zero subsidies on certain industrial products. And, you know, I'll take it. That, that, that's, that, that, that was a good day. I don't know where this is going, um, but maybe it's a change in direction, at least slightly. I don't think that the Trump administration is going to back off uh, its tariffs on China. That's still a problem to be worked on. But if the U.S. and EU uh, are getting along, which they should be, um, you know, we, we've moved in, a, in a, a better direction. All right. So what were uh, some of the details here that were less than clear in your view? Yeah, it's, it's pretty skimpy. So there was some talk about dialogue on regulatory standards, which is something that um, you know, the, the Obama administration had worked on. It's something the, the U.S. has been working on with the EU for 20 years, but hasn't gotten very far. So you know, if we make a car and do certain crash tests in the U.S., can't we sell that car in the EU and vice versa? If we could deal with some of those pesky regulatory barriers, I think that'd be good. But there's not a lot of concrete information about what the U.S. and the EU will be doing. Uh, there was talk about working with the EU on WTO reform and and jointly uh, uh, trying to address some of China's bad trade practices. This is positive um, that, that they'll be working together on these things instead of fighting, um, but we don't have many details there. And then on the the industrial product uh, zero tariffs, uh, I mean, that that sounds good. Uh, I think it's important to keep in mind that when you talk about industrial products, and they already said non-auto, so that means we've excluded agriculture, we've excluded raw materials, we've excluded autos. I don't know, you know, it's sort of a a smaller portion of the economy than saying, you know, liberalize all goods. So, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to um, let the the two sides flesh this out a bit before we know if this can turn into a formal negotiation that leads to actual liberalization. All right. So um, if this is such a narrow range where they're actually pursuing more substantial reform, Um, Donald Trump definitely has a knack of making a huge success out of a success that is uh, quite small. Is this, would this be enough to, uh, silence people like you with respect to his trading practices? At this point, I'm willing to celebrate anything that doesn't go in the wrong direction. So if it's not, if he's not imposing tariffs, I'm happy. Does this lead to an actual new trade deal with lower tariffs? I I don't know. Um, but I think if it's, 
better to keep everybody occupied um, talking uh, than having them fight a trade war. So, uh, you know, I, I'm happy with the outcome if it takes us away from tariffs, whether it can lead to an actual tr you know, trade deal. That's hard for anybody to do. We haven't had a lot of luck with that over the past few years. So if Trump can't do it, I mean, I'm not going to be too worried. I just want to get us out of the, the escalating tariffs. And maybe that's, maybe that's what this trade deal announced yesterday does. So you mentioned uh, that you do not expect the White House to back down from uh, tariffs with respect to China. And I know that it takes a while for supply chains to get sort of reconstituted after the uh, supply chains have been disrupted and uh, various producers need to source things differently. But what is your view of the United States essentially being cut out of supply chains uh, that it otherwise would be involved in. And even if we do go back on uh, tariffs with respect to China, what does that do to the long-term ability of the United States to participate in uh, global supply chains? It's a great question. And, you know, we really haven't seen this kind of thing play out in a, in a long time or at all in the particular way it's doing it. So, you know, as you say, um, when we impose tariffs on, on Chinese imports and they retaliate against our tariffs, it really disrupts the existing supply chains. And the, the, the open question is, well, is it going to do that permanently? Have we, have we created a permanent shift in the way companies do business and who they who which suppliers they use and what are the implications of that? I mean, I think the clearest implication is you know higher costs. Um, you know pe these companies cho chose their particular supply chains for a reason uh, because these were the, the the best suppliers for them in terms of cost and quality. Um, and you know, I, I just I don't know the answer to how disruptive this is going to be. And, and you know, does this put certain U.S. companies at a permanent disadvantage? Um, with their foreign competitors. And I think part of the answer is going to be um, how much of a stink do these companies raise with their members of Congress and with the Trump administration? And do they, are their voices heard? Um, I mean, we're seeing now uh, uh, announcements about companies who are laying off workers because of the, the cost of the tariffs that are being imposed on them. Um, do their complaints actually have an impact? Can they lead to a change in policy? Uh, what will this mean in the midterm elections? How will this affect uh, you know, voters? And I, I, I wish I could say it's going to go this way or that way. And I just, I just don't know. I don't know how much long-term damage we've done. I hope, it's, I hope it can be corrected by future changes in policies. But um, you know, if, the, if the Trump administration is really going to dig in and keep these tariffs in place on China uh, for the, the longer term, um, you know, they, they could do some real damage and it'll, it'll be hard to fix that. So what are the costs of reversal? I mean, e even if uh, Donald Trump wakes up tomorrow and says, oh, I'm a born again free trader, the costs of reversal have to be quite high. I just don't know that anyone trusts, you know, his, his, whatever his latest statement is on a particular policy. And so it's not clear that companies will be willing to uh, be confident, will be confident that they can count on, um, you know, certain foreign suppliers always being there. So it may be that the, the uncertainty that the Trump administration has created leads to a permanent change in the way that U.S. companies do business. They think it's safer to do business with a domestic company as opposed to a cheaper, higher quality foreign one, and therefore they go with the domestic company. And that, that makes them less competitive, but they might see it as too risky. So 
Um, so, you know, the, I think the, the effects of the Trump administration policies can be corrected to some extent. But as long as he's in office, there may be this lingering uncertainty there that it's just too risky to deal with foreigners. And, and maybe that's the maybe that's what he's trying to do. I mean, some people have speculated that that's that's all this is about is just creating the uncertainty, uh, making doing business with foreigners sound risky so that uh, U.S. companies uh, just source all their materials, all their supplies from domestic sources. All right. So going forward, uh, there has been at least some talk within Congress to try to uh, rein in uh, executive authority with respect to trade. I, I heard about it and then I didn't hear anything about it after that. So is that going anywhere or is that going to be something that before uh, the election of 2018, we're going to see change? This is all very speculative, so don't take what I say uh, with, with too much authority. Uh, but it seemed to me that Congress was not going to put up too much of a fight over the steel and aluminum tariffs, which were ostensibly based on national security, but nobody really thought they were. They were to let that go. But then you heard talk about uh, imposing 25% tariffs on auto imports on the same basis. And at that point, I think there was a real resistance. There was, you know, sort of uh, there was en enough people taking this seriously enough that you thought, wait a minute, Congress might actually step in here if the Trump administration were to go this route. And interestingly, uh, you know, part of what was talked about at the U.S. EU um, press conference yesterday was uh, those auto tariffs probably, I think, almost certainly won't go into effect while the U.S.-EU negotiation is going on. So it's possible that the behind-the-scenes pushback from Congress on the auto tariffs made the Trump administration realize that would be going too far, that Congress would step in. And they were looking for a way out of that. And the U.S.-EU trade deal, whatever it is that was announced yesterday, uh, maybe just recognizes the reality that they couldn't actually do the auto tariffs without getting some congressional pushback. So you know, that's, this is – I want to just clarify that's very speculative. I don't know that any of this happened, but sort of watching it, watching the reporting on it, it seems like Congress – you know, the Republican Congress doesn't want to um, publicly stand up to Trump. But maybe behind the scenes, they said, look, this would be going too far. You've got to stop it. Find a way out. So one of the, the claims that I've heard from various uh, trade free trade uh, folks, supporters of free trade, is that unless this president and this Congress sees a lot of red on Wall Street, nothing is going to change. That sounds very plausible to me. It seems like President Trump puts a, you know, a lot of faith in uh, what's going on in the stock market. That is a good indicator of the success or failure of his policies. Um, and you know, we've seen over the past few months, as uh, steps were taken in the trade war, uh, sometimes it seemed like the markets would panic a bit and, and would fall a bit in response to the latest announced tariff. Um, and I, I do think that as long as the the market stayed fairly steady, um, Trump wasn't going to to panic too much and to change course. But I think maybe going back to the auto tariffs, you know, may, maybe he heard rumors that look, if you do this, if you impose these tariffs, you're going to see a real disruption in the economy, and that's going to hurt the market. Maybe that's another reason. Maybe we're seeing a, a pullback from that. So now I, I I think that's that's possibly or you know, likely true, but it does require us to get into the mind of, of Donald Trump and, and figuring out how figure out how he thinks about things, these things. And I've as much as I've tried to do that over the past year and a half, I haven't had much success. Um, so I, I, I can't say f with much certainty uh, that he's guided by the stock market completely and totally, but it does seem like that is uh, an influence in his decision making. Support for these policies seems to divide along partisan lines. And that is just flabbergasting to me 
that the party of free trade could have its view of free trade essentially altered so quickly. It is amazing. It, it, it makes you wonder to what extent people really care about policy at all. You know, I've watched a number of uh, President Trump's rallies uh, over the you know, recent months and years, and it seems like he can get them to cheer just about anything. You know, he was talking at a recent rally about how well he was getting along with Kim Jong-un and people were cheering it. And I thought, do they really are they really excited about that? How can they be excited about that? It seems to me they're just excited that Trump is talking and they like how he talks. And it's on trade. It seems like, you know, whatever Trump's position is on trade, they'll agree with. So, I mean, that's obviously, you know, fairly depressing in some ways. But I guess on, on the positive side, today, Trump was touting his trade deal with the EU as, oh, we finally opened up the EU market, which, of course, we haven't. Um, but that's enough to get him cheers. You know, he can say whatever he wants. He can stop the trade war at any time. I mean, one of the things I take from it is the people don't really want a trade war and the people are not all that protectionist. Uh, they're just following the the voices of, of you know, leaders like President Trump. I don't know. So you can take you – know, there's some positives and some negatives in there. I mean the negative is uh, people aren't really paying attention and don't care about policy. The positive is we could uh, change course on this trade war and it would all – you know, easily and it would all be fine. We're not wedded to it. We're not – we're not – we're not uh, just – we're not stuck with uh, the, the President Trump's promises. He can pull back on them and people won't actually care. Simon Lester is a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.